This is going to be our most sleepy cold open yet because I've just woken up. <laughs> Were you doing anything wild or exciting last night? Not even. <laughs> I was playing Destiny with Keen. Did anyone join the group? No one joined Big Huge Bag of Clans. And maybe it's because I didn't give the right title. Last time I said Big Bag of Clans, it's actually <laughs> Big Huge Bag of Clans. Yeah, you guys upgraded yourselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if anyone wants, wants to join Big Huge Bag of Clans, <laughs> Destiny Clan, then feel free. Um, I, Steve, I, I went to get myself coffee to try and wake myself up and turn myself into a proper human being and the only mug that was um, available is one that came because we're renting a house in London this one that kind of came with the house and it's from the TV show Glee and so even though I'm feeling really sleepy and grumpy uh, my mug just says Glee on it <laughs> in like big cartoony font and it's really pissing me off yeah it'll do that so, how's your morning? I've been pretty good actually I got up uh, pretty early to go over the massive amount of show notes that I have done for this thing. And uh, actually, my coffee has taken effect well and truly by now. Uh, are you all pa- packed for your trip? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I'm, I'm one Where of the... Where are you going again? Portugal. Going to... Um, ah, cool. Portugal. Down in the Algarve, the sunny part. I checked the weather. It's going to be beautiful and sunny all week, as long as they're not telling me lies. Nice. I cannot wait. I haven't actually taken one of these, like, lie on a beach holidays, probably since I was a kid. Like, normally... Aww. Normally I go off and do them crazy adventure ex- exploration holidays where you come back even more okay, tired. Okay, we get it. We get it. You're you a well-traveled man. We've all got stuff going on. Jesus. Yeah. I'm not trying to brag. I'm just trying to say that I don't <laughs> tend to go with the lying down holidays. But this time nice. I can't wait. Yeah, cool. Good stuff. Portugal, the land of the... Portuguese. Portuguese. <laughs> <laughs> That's the extent of our knowledge. There goes 50% of the people that uh, were just tuning in to see what this show was like. Oh, yeah, but the, you know the 50% who remained, they loved it. Oh, yeah, I don't know if we want them, though. <laughs> no, they're my favourites. They're basically my target audience. Oh, the nasty, God. nasty weirdos. <laughs> we love you, you guys. <laughs> so I'm so you, sleepy. You crazy, crazy freaks. <laughs> I realise that I usually, like probably a good 65% of the episodes we've recorded, I've either been... Slightly drunk to very drunk, jet lagged or just sleepy. Like I've never been fully in my right mind most of the time. Yeah, I've noticed that as well. <laughs> Have you? You've alerted my family. Like I'm, I know that you wanted to do this as like the the persona of being the idiot, but like you've really gone through and actually made sure that your ne- your neurological abilities are severely dampened when you're doing the show. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a smart guy. I just don't do myself any favors. <laughs> Um, so that we've, we've got a lot to cover um, So much to cover in fact that we're probably breaking this into two Our first ever two-parter So we should probably get going with the news Yeah, so the news Let's quickly do the news before we go back in time And do something that's not at all relevant to anything that's going on today But <laughs> when we started the show You promised me that I could do it on my birthday And it'll soon be my 30th birthday So I was I like, don't oh. recall. I don't recall this at all. I'm sure it exists in, in one this. of the very various text messages or recordings that we have. But um, I told you about it, and okay. you're like, okay. And then it was like, yes, I want to do a president from 100 years ago. And you're like, okay. 
yeah. and then I've put so much work into it that it's actually going to take two whole episodes to cover this <laughs> motherfucker. See, that definitely was a part of the original contract. Yes. But anyway, we'll 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 our lawyers will settle this um, after the fact. Yeah. So, what news? Um, news. My lawyer is a labradoodle, by the way. So you're fucked. <laughs> Uh, yeah, news. Okay, before we go on to history, let's go what's going on. Current history. Uh, Catalonia went ahead and had their referendum. They did. Um, we were talking about that a little bit, uh, about how they were going to. They went ahead and had it. Um, the Spanish uh, government never gave them a single inch in terms of recognition. In fact, they shipped in thousands of police officers because they didn't want to trust the local Catalan police. So they brought in like outside of town cops. Right. They actually had like um, cruise ships uh, harbored in Barcelona to house them because they didn't have anywhere else to put them. There was that many there. Whoa. So their intention was to try and raid um, municipal offices and different uh, Catalonian party offices beforehand to try and grab as many ballots as they could. They weren't successful on that front. And then on the day of the vote, they actually tried to stop people from going in and casting ballots or they tried to break into the voting places and actually steal the boxes after they had been filled. Christ. Needless to say, the people who agree with Catalan independence and wanted to have a vote didn't react very well. They clashed with the police and a lot of the video footage made the police look very bad. Um, yeah. There's video footage of them throwing old ladies downstairs. They're battering the hell out of people who look to just be confronting them. Like, I mean, granted, the cops are trying to do their job. They were told to go there and stop these people who are essentially breaking Spanish law by having this referendum. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, if you want to try and defeat people who are trying to do something democratically and peacefully, maybe the way to do it is not by riot cops, shields and batons. Yeah. So. Yeah. When I was, when I saw some of those pictures and videos of, you know, you always try to remind yourself that context is, is very important and that like a, a single picture or short video might not um, paint a full picture. But when it's an old person being thrown downstairs by a police officer, I don't know what context would exist that would make that okay. <laughs> let's not even speculate. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's just say it's it's a bad thing. Nearly entirely. Thing. I know yeah, if yeah, it was if it was an old Hitler or something like that, maybe that'd be okay. <laughs> maybe I don't know. I don't want to say it, but Donald Trump's pretty old. Maybe if he fell down some stairs, I'd laugh. But even if Donald Trump was pushed downstairs by a dude in a riot gear, I'd probably feel a little bit sorry for him. Yeah. So, yeah, so, I mean, the Spanish are not reacting the same way that another recent independence movement was treated. So you can compare this to what went on in Scotland and the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, the UK allowed Scotland to have the referendum and they just said, OK, we're just going to fight you at the ballot box. And they went ahead and won <laughs> and by 10%. Like literally fought them at the ballot box. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, the Spanish are actually, they're, they're literally fighting them at the ballot box with fists <laughs> as opposed to with, with ballots. It's... I guess the difference is is that the UK does not have uh, like a formal constitution. We've mentioned that before. Mm-hmm. So they can kind of wing it, whereas the Spanish, like most countries, have a written constitution. And also, like most countries, in the constitution, it says that the territory is whole and absolute and shouldn't be broken up. Because if countries were to like write into their constitutions that they don't have a problem with, with little regions breaking off and doing crazy things, well, then you'd have like the independent republic of... Of, of Steve's house being declared every second week. Oh so, man, I would I would go pledge allegiance to that republic. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, come on, everyone got to line up and do it. <laughs> so the Spanish, I mean, they do also have a lot more regions than the UK would in terms of people that want independence. And whereas Scotland, I mean, it's a lovely place, but it's it, it, in terms of the UK, it's not the biggest part of it or even like 
close to the biggest part of it. England is the powerhouse. Mm-hmm. So they weren't going to lose that much if, if Scotland were to leave. But if, Catal- if Catalonia leave to Spain, they're going to lose a huge chunk of their economy and be severely weakened as a result. Right. Basically, the two powers are still in a standoff. The Catalonians say that whenever they come back and meet as a parliament, they're going to declare unilateral independence. Uh, Spain say, fuck you, you're not even allowed to meet. Um, So they're just doing everything they can to block it. The Catalonians basically don't have any more ground to stand on. They've had this referendum. They're desperately looking for other countries to come in and help. But everyone from the EU to all other countries in the world are not going to help because they don't want to encourage other protest movements. It's basically, it's just easier not to, to encourage secession even though like America and most other countries in the world used to be part of other countries and had to fight for their freedom. Yeah. When it comes to them actually having it and then wanting it to give them something else, they're usually like, ah, feck it. Like, it's just too much hassle. Can you not just stay together? So yeah, that, yeah. That, We've that, been through this. It's, yeah. oh, it's a lot of work, guys. It's a lot. Well, like, I mean, our one was important, but you guys, you guys can, you guys can <laughs> figure it out. So yeah, it doesn't, I mean, what's going to happen? I think eventually maybe... Well, you see, the Spanish reaction has been so bad, I think, that they have probably radicalized a lot of people that probably were only half interested or even not interested at all, mm-hmm. who are now probably devout Catalan independence seekers. Yeah. Um, just from the reaction that the Spanish government have. I mean, Spain is not a dictatorship anymore. It used to be. It's not now. So when they say that it's as bad as it was back in Franco, the Spanish are acting like fascists by trying to clamp them down. They're not. They're doing it badly, but they're not doing it like oppressively per se. So, but right. the more images that happen with these kind of with these police battering people, the more that the Catalonians can spin it to say that they are. Right. So, I think maybe after a year or so, things will calm down, and maybe if the Catalonian politicians who are in charge at the moment, I think that eventually, because they're not actually going to gain anything, they're probably going to have to step down through just defeat or loss. Right. Maybe. Right. So then you might there might be negotiations when the people who are in charge now have have subbed out and there's new people sitting in the power seats they might sit down and have like more talks for devolution or something like that get more powers for Catalonia um, right full independence probably not going to happen at all but some sort of compromise maybe maybe in a couple of years but also just as likely is probably that this is just a huge big incident that'll just be ignored and brushed over and they'll carry on both sides will carry on as if the other other person's reaction didn't happen right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, the complicated politics at its at its peak. I yeah. think. Um, I suppose we should talk about Las Vegas. Um, yes, yes, we should. For the second, you can't ignore it for sure. No, for the second time, I think in a year, the worst uh, mass shooting in U.S. history has happened. So, which is I, a terrifying sentence in yes. and of itself. Yeah. So Orlando was the last one. Um, I think thirty odd people died. Maybe I can't remember. Um, but mm-hmm. this time it's over fifty with nearly five hundred people injured as well. Mm-hmm. Basically, I'm sure. I mean, we don't have to tell you the news. It's old by now. But a dude hung out the window of a Las Vegas casino while firing twenty automatic weapons, actually semi-automatic, but converted to become automatic weapons mm-hmm. into a crowd of country and western fans, just devastating and creating mass chaos and carnage. The worst thing I think about this one is that as opposed to all those other crazy things where they left like manifestos, they had people to talk to afterwards that could go, oh yeah, that dude, he was he had this persona, he had this ideology. Yeah. The people that knew this guy say that they had they're utterly shell shocked. They have no idea why he would do such a thing. He, he's got no links to any criminal or terrorist organizations. Yeah, he, he only had um, some parking tickets. Like that was as the extent of his criminal activity. Yeah, he was he was a well-off gambler um, now. Apparently his brother helped him move a couple of years ago. He didn't have all these weapons when the brother was helping him move. I mean, what, like that's just... 
that's just like a little story that doesn't necessarily give any evidence or anything, but it's just so strange. Yeah, it's part of a larger picture though that, that that's a bit confusing. Like he was, yeah. yeah, he was just this placid old retiree by all accounts, except for obviously this shooting. Yeah, I guess in terms of like knowing what, what you can do to defend the country against the next attack, it's kind of impossible because you don't know. It's about know- the hotel staff, Steve. It's about hotel security. <laughs> the, I mean, defining issue of that time, of our he, time. He probably did get the concierges to carry those bags up in the trolleys like the rifle cases and they didn't have any idea what it was and he probably tipped them like a couple of bucks and said thank you and then unloaded all the fucking weapons and set up his little his little fortress of death yeah but, oh my god yeah okay I mean we're joking obviously all sorts of crazy shit gets put into hotel rooms in Vegas yeah it's, you cannot you cannot <laughs> I mean you know one out of ten could be a rifle nine times out of ten some sort of insane sex toy so I think in terms of immediate reactions the gun lobby is being very quiet they usually do after these things they wait a couple of weeks and they don't say anything rather than react to it saying that this isn't the time to ban guns they just don't say anything mm-hmm. um, whereas the liberals are immediately jumping on it saying how many more times has this had to happen before we take action to even go into the fourth the second amendment and um and gun, gun control in the United States, it would take a whole episode in itself. So we'll just quickly talk about one thing. So he used a, a modified thing on his weapons called a bump stock. So they were semi-automatic rifles because all fully automatic weapons, the ones where you hold down the trigger and they just continue to shoot bullets like machine guns in the movies, mm-hmm. those are 100% illegal in the United States and have been since the 80s, I think. So there's only a handful of them around the United States and most of them are entirely um, kept under strict control. But... You can buy the equivalent gun that has been retrofitted by the makers to make it semi-automatic where you have to squeeze the trigger each time to make it fire a bullet. Mm. And it's semi-automatic because you don't have to reload a bullet each time. It's fi- it's firing from a magazine clip. So it's a little bit quicker than a, like a, a totally non-automatic weapon, but still not as fast as an automatic weapon. Mm-hmm. He bought a thing which is readily available to whoever wants it called a bump stock, which is a modified thingy that you stick onto the trigger and it uses the power of the recoil to force the trigger to shoot at a speed that ends up making it just as effective as a fully automatic weapon. Oh, God. And you can just buy them in a store. And the New York Times podcast, um, The Daily, actually, it's a pretty good podcast for keeping up to date with American news. They rang around loads of of gun stores afterwards and, like, they're, they're still readily available for sale. So... Surprisingly, the NRA, who normally don't give a single inch for fear that every inch they give will be a mile taken by their opponents, agree that the bump stocks need to be banned because they agree that fully automatic weapons aren't allowed and that if this is just basically changing, getting around the law in a loophole, then it's okay to ban it. It's a trial-three kind of of thing to happen after such a terrible tragedy, but at least it's something. And yeah. I don't actually think, like, I mean, uh, I think most of the liberals who are just exasperated at these things constantly happening know that the, the gun control lobby is just too in control of the United States and the these kind of guns are still going to be just as readily, readily available as they are. It's just, it's such a big part of American culture that, that it's not going to change. Yeah, uh, we will we'll do an episode on gun control at some point. We just wanted to give a healthy amount of distance between this event and when we actually talk about it. Um, just considering the tone of our show, we were mindful of being respectful yeah um so we, we will talk about it and we'll break it down because it's it's a meaty meaty subject um just one more note that apparently um the nra are looking to push through some sort of legislation to make it easier to get silencers so <laughs> we can God. imagine the um the that event in which like the the actual sh- sound of the gunfire alerted a lot of people and actually you know was a contributing a factor to the evacuation that happened and how quickly it did end up happening in the end um 
imagine if you had a silencer. Okay, uh, German election. We talked a lot about that in the last episode. Um, it happened quickly after we recorded, mm-hmm. and Merkel didn't do so hot at all. No. Uh, she lost a good few seats. Her coalition partners got hammered as well. Um, the left wing, can't remember what they're called. They're basically, they have dropped out of government and Merkel has is left now to put together that Jamaica coalition that we were talking about. With oh the, yeah. With the Greens and the uh, federal, the free, the free Democrats, I think they're called. They're like a liberal free markety kind of party. Um, she likely will do that. It's going to take a while, a lot of negotiations. Apparently after German elections, elections, it takes a couple of months before they actually get a government back in. Mm-hmm. They don't rush into it like um, the Irish do the and the UK do. They kind of, they take it slow and they do it properly. The the bad guys, the AFD, the, the far right nationalists, they won quite a lot of seats and they won 11%. And um, that's, that unnerved a lot of people. But also kind of just to make things a little bit shinier, a lot of the analysis and polls afterwards kind of show that the votes that went to the AFD may have just been protest votes. And so some of the people were like, yeah, I voted for the AFD, but I actually don't like them and I probably wouldn't vote for them again. I just wanted to give a finger to Merkel this time. Christ. <laughs> yeah, I know. Where is oh like, my God. Wear an the- ironic t-shirt that makes fun of her. Don't throw your vote away. <laughs> hey, look, I mean, Brexit and Trump happened because of these same reasons as well to a large extent. There's not enough ironic t-shirts is what I'm saying. Is there not though? So Steve, actually on that note, uh, we got our first listener uh, response recording. Woohoo! Um, so I, I wouldn't be woohooing when you actually hear what the content of it was. It was a correction correcting you. Um, so Laura, a friend of the show, uh, sent in a lovely recording in which she offered her insight into um, uh, a fact. A fact, fact is in quotes in this sentence uh, because you're a filthy liar as I'm learning. I think on the, one of the last episodes, you said that Merkel was the would be the longest serving chancellor. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, apparently um, that's not the case. So let me roll this recording now. Hiya. Greetings from Brussels. Um, you guys talked about Angela Merkel becoming the longest sitting chancellor of Germany in the last episode, which is not quite true yet. She has been recently elected for a fourth term, which will make it 16 years once she's finished this fourth term. But the longest current sitting chancellor is Helmut Kohl with 16 years and 27 days, which were four terms. And he started a fifth one, which he could have finished if he hadn't been forced to step down from chancellor after a scandal surrounding him and his party and illegal donations to his party. So, yeah, if Merkel finishes this term uh, and gets elected for a fifth one and isn't forced to step down, then she'll be long sitting if she beats 16 years and 27 days. Yeah, well, okay, I've learned. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, uh, I don't mind being wrong <laughs> on these kind of things. Um, yeah, of course, and, like, g- given how much we talk about in these episodes, it's bound to happen that we're going to be wrong. Yeah, so. I mean, like every once in 15 years, probably. So, but don't wait, <laughs> yeah. don't wait 15 years before you send in the next recording. Uh, that was really fun. Um, please go onto the website, record a correction or a response to anything <laughs> that we say. And uh, we'll, we will try our best to stick it in um, after in the next episode when it's, when it's relevant. Yeah. So I, I love that. I love how we started this thing as a way for listeners to get engaged, but it's probably just going to be yet another vehicle for critiquing us. <laughs> Yeah, that's fine. I mean, it's politics. Everyone is wrong, <laughs> except for you. So it's always the best. And then, yeah. Hooray. 
it's and then it's it's especially useful when we are wrong to get corrected by people who sure. know better than us. Sure. Uh, so quickly talk about the UK political conference season. Mm-hmm. All the political parties around this time before they go back to Westminster and um, they take a little break. And then just before that, they have meetings in different places around the country. I think the Conservatives were in Manchester. The mm-hmm. Labour Party were in Brighton. The Liberal Democrats were probably in a bus shelter because there's not that many of them. Um, I presume the Greens were like in a field, naked, with loads of strawberries. Uh, UKIP were probably... Oh. <laughs> hell. Hell, yeah. The SNP were uh, up on a Scottish Highland trying to figure out how they, they fix their own independence movement. Um, mm-hmm. The Northern Irish parties probably will show up six months late because they can't get their shit together. <laughs> and insert other attacks at political parties here. Um, <laughs> right, so Labour, they had a pretty good one. They're still they're still delighted about how they won that election by not winning it. <laughs> and uh, Corbyn has well and truly, Corbyn and his lads have well and truly taken over the Labour Party. So it used to be a very professional, very, um, what would you call it, like, Oh, not even professional to say that the guys who are in charge aren't professional, but I mean like very PR-y, very corporate-y, very Tony Blair-y, very like um, make sure you say these things and don't say these things kind of party. Yeah. It isn't that at all now. They basically have like mad raves and pub quizzes and crazy shit going on in the conference as well as like the, the political shit. So Man, that sounds fun. It does. Um, I actually wish I was over there joining them, but maybe next year. Corbyn himself gave a, a nice L speech that was very well received. He's promising lots of goodies for people if they were to vote them in in the next election. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he wants to get rid of uh, student tuition fees. He wants to bring in rent controls, all these other... Um, people helping kind of policies that, you know, you would expect from a dude who's been a socialist his entire life. Mm-hmm. But there was a bad thing that happened as well that I wasn't too happy with. They, the the mom- the movement that's behind Corbyn and put him in is called Momentum. It's like a subunit within Labour mm-hmm. of like the like the, the more left-winning guys who are trying to, who have taken the party away from the new Labour um, people that used to control it. They actually blocked an, an official debate on Brexit um, that was supposed to happen on the conference floor, which would have like, it would have been people debating each other and then whatever they decided afterwards would have been official party policy. That didn't happen because Momentum, I think, and Corbyn would rather ignore Brexit as much as they could because they think that they can make more hay by just ignoring it and letting the Tory party do it, fuck up, and then they can come in and clean up afterwards. So, oh, like they don't want to be held accountable to something they say in regards to it? Kind of, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like it's easier not to have an opinion on, on something so bad and yeah. inevitably terrible than to try That's, and get it. That seems kind of fucked up. So your entire stance on it is predicated on the fuck-ups of your, your counterparts. I mean... Like, I'm, you're not to, doing anything. You're not, like, offering any help. You're just there waiting in the wings to prance. And to a certain extent, that is what they're doing. I mean, to give them some credit, they do have an official policy about staying in the customs union, a couple of different things like that that are different to what the Tories are pushing. But largely, they are just sitting back and, and waiting for their opponents to fuck up. And mm. it is... It is bad because, you know, maybe if they were to give ideas, then people could hear both sides and maybe they could use some of the good ideas. But then equally, in terms of a political tactic, it is always a very good one. <laughs> and it always right. seems to work when people do that. Yeah. And then if they were to try and put some moral spin on it themselves, they'd say, well, we know this is going to get us elected and we can do the most good in power. So maybe we do this little wrong to get an overall good 
Mm-hmm. So speaking about overall bads, um, the Conservatives <laughs> had their had their conference in Manchester. Um, it it didn't go so well. Um, <laughs> no. Theresa May, who went and lost that election by winning it, <laughs> and uh, she's been she's been basically hopping around, um, severely damaged since she had to go back into government with a minority government supported by. Those lovely people up in Northern Ireland, the DUP. Mm-hmm. She she's made a, she's had a couple attempts at um, trying to like rejuvenate her career because it looks like she's going to remain prime minister for a while. She got that new haircut that time. Yeah, uh, she did that speech in Florence, which was shite. She did all those other things. It was like going to be a big thing, and then it was shite. It seems yeah. to be that like like after the election, she just can't do anything right. Which yeah. you know, in fairness, she really did mess that one up. So it, it's 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 to be expected. But what this most you, recent one was fucking like. Otherworldly. I, I never. I didn't watch it, but from what I can gather, she had a terrible cough and she yeah. kept spluttering. Someone had to come up and give her a glass of water, like yeah. a stagehand. Um, someone did. Someone hand her a P forty five in the middle of the speech, and she took it. Yeah, yeah. Oh my! I don't God. know why. I don't know whether she thought it was something else, but yeah, she took it. Oh my God! Um, and also, then- the letters started falling off, <laughs> this, as if it was just like the universe going. Look, this is a metaphor for what's happening right <laughs> it's now. Like her, she was doing so badly, her physical surroundings were feeling the pain. Yeah, the words are literally falling off the walls. Oh god! Um, the Guardian did it. Did wrote an article on it, and when they shared it out on their social media, they just like took a bunch of letters out of their social posts to make them look like a <laughs> which is great. Ah, uh, good on. Um, mm. So the reaction to it was split between she did it best that she could considering how sick she clearly was versus this is just another PR disaster from a prime minister who just seems to can't get anything right. Mm. Boris Johnson was spotted afterwards um, only standing up after he got a nudge in the ribs from um, one of his cabinet (laughs) colleagues. Uh, But all the cabinet ministers have said, oh yes, she did a great job, blah, blah, blah. No one actually took the opportunity to, to strike her on it. But in the last couple of days, it has been revealed that, um, Grant Grant Shapps, which is a strange name, mm-hmm. he used to be the chairman. He's not anymore. He's actually been trying to organise um, back backbench MPs to sign a petition petition to have a leadership challenge, which is like a mechanism in the party that exists. Um, he needs over forty. He has about thirty. Um, but once it was revealed yesterday that this was going on and he was outed, um, most people have turned around and told him to feck off that he shouldn't be doing this. Um, no cabinet ministers have officially said they're on his side and he has said he doesn't have any cabinet ministers but everyone suspects that Boris Johnson is probably behind him um, trying to get him so to do it. Would he be, Boris Johnson would be the next in line? Uh, Boris Johnson would like to think he would be the next in line just like he thought he was the next in line after David Cameron but whether or not he'll be able to do it if it does happen is yet to be seen. Right. Um, the reality is is that they don't have a leader in waiting who will be strong enough to challenge Corbyn if they have it happen on their election soon. They're ba- they're governing by minority at one of the crun- the the UK's like worst critical junctures. I think what they're going to do is they're going to wait around, let Theresa May take all this crap, eat it by the bucket load for Brexit, mm. and then whenever Brexit eventually does go into some sort of like agreement or semi agreement with the EU that they can say is like a stopgap, then they'll get rid of her put someone else in, try and have election and then just try and pick up the pieces afterwards. Wow. Whether or not that'll be Boris Johnson, it could be Boris Johnson. There's a, um, there's a very popular politician in Scotland. Um, is it Ruth Davidson? She is the head of the Scottish Conservative Party and she's actually rejuvenated that branch of the party up there. Uh-huh. But the problem is, is that she's not an MP. Ah. So she she would have to figure that out before she tried to do something. Um, she would be very different to Boris, but... 
whether or not that would actually, that you would actually run is different. Anyway, but I don't think we're going to have to worry about it for another couple of years. I don't think Boris has the strength, the, the power or the intelligence, <laughs> the competence <laughs> to be able to ouster. So it's probably just going to keep on going. He has the hair though, so. Ugh, does he? I mean, you know, hairdos we have seen. He looks like a Little Britain character. <laughs> he looks just like your man from Little Britain, yeah. Yeah, he <laughs> looks a, like him in a sketch. With a worse wig. Oh, good stuff. Uh, is there any more news stories or do you want to get into your topic? Uh, quickly, we'll just say that uh, we did the Nobel Peace Prize in the last episode and we, yes. we we said a couple of people that we thought would be announced as the winner, which was announced uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, we as were, we're told- recording, it was yesterday. We're yes. Recording on Saturday. It's true. So Friday, the, the whatever. Um, <laughs> I was I was 100% wrong. Um, I didn't I didn't guess these guys at all. <laughs> You said the white helmets? I said it might have been the white helmets from Syria. It might have been Pope Francis. It might have been someone else. Uh, it was the Anti-Nuclear Weapons Proliferation um, organize, Organization, mm. which was a curveball for pretty much everybody. But it, it's not controversial choice, really, because uh, obviously... A, a gr- yeah, especially given recent news stories. <laughs> yeah, and so a, an organization that's against nuclear weapons probably should win Nobel Peace Prizes every now and again. <laughs> stands to reason yeah so yeah I just I just wanted to name check again that we were wrong nobody recorded us to tell us we were wrong but next time if you guys want to record and tell us then we'll have to play it that's the deal <laughs> yeah, that's the, the deal okay cool so Steve Steve's favourite president Steve who am Teddy Roosevelt Teddy Roosevelt was the American president who took over just at the turn of the 20th century and I would think and many others would agree that he changed what it meant to be a president. It was it was a different kind of job before he took it. He turned it into something that is very similar to what it is now. Mm. And to a large extent, because everyone eventually copies what goes on in the States, change politics the world over. So is this why you wanted to talk about him? Half, yes, because I'm a political nerd. Um, mm. I think he's very influential in that sense. But also, he's just so fucking cool. There are, so, I've got so many anecdotes and stories to tell you about this guy. It is fantastic. He just grabbed life by the testicles, squeezed until he yelled out everything he could. And then he started yelling with it because he thought it would be fun. That was, that was his approach to life. And that's not, that's not even that much of a metaphor. He probably literally did that a couple of times. <laughs> okay. Sounds cool. All right. Let's, let's, let's go back to, I guess, the yeah. beginning. We'll do the David Copperfield thing. He was born. So uh, born in 1858. Um, his dad came from an, arist- an aristocratic Dutch family in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Dutch dudes were around before the Brits came and took over. Um, it used to be called New Amsterdam before it became New York. Really? I did not know that. Did you not? <laughs> no. Yeah, do you not remember? New Amsterdam? That? Yeah. Do you remember in uh, Gangs in New York? Uh, that was the name that Leonardo DiCaprio gives himself when he shows up to build a butcher. Amsterdam. Oh. To try and like, you know make himself relevant to the city and then but she's like ha ha okay I'm New York um, <laughs> so yeah the Dutch were there beforehand and his ancestor was just a poor fellow who got off a boat from Holland um, looking to, to make his way in the new world in the 16 whatevers mm. but he did pretty well and ended up owning a whole load of land that became very valuable as New York developed into the powerhouse that it had become by the time Teddy was born mm. um, so his family were rich by the time he was born, had always been rich. I think his family in particular were into banking, importing, that kind of thing. Just general landowning, being aristocrats. His dad was a philanthropist. Um, there was a lot of people at the t- a lot of rich people at the time thought that you shouldn't just take your money and lo- and jump into it like Scrooge McDuck. You should actually try and give give a lot back. So aside from that, that's it. That 
the whole thing about ju- if you actually tried jumping into a big pile of coins <laughs> like that, you would die just because of the surface tension of it. Like it's, it is just like jumping onto solid. It's not water, Scrooge. Now, if it was like dollar bills, that's a different story. But I don't know, just in case anyone has lots and lots of pennies and they were thinking of doing this, don't. You'll die. Okay. Continue. Thanks, thanks, Richie. That was important to cite. Um, remember, kids. <laughs> remember, kids. Don't copy Scrooge McDuck. Um, so his dad was crazy into charity. He spent about half of his time devoted to philanthropic? Philanthropodcasts. Philanthropodcasts. Um, charitable causes. Uh, he was big into child's welfare, um, um, helping out kids that needed a lot of help on the streets. He loved setting up museums. Um, and he was such, apparently, a nice and all-round guy and so nice to his kids that his... The nickname in his family was Greatheart. Greatheart. Great. That's cool, isn't it? That's a fucking cool ass name. Because it's uh, like really sweet. Yeah. And lovely, but it's also kind of bad. Yes. Because he he was Fuck, he looked he looked great. like a cool dude. He got a big beard and looked like he was like he was pretty trim and looked like he was carrying his kids around the place having a good time. <gasps> Greatheart. Fuck yeah. His mother was a bit different now. She was from the south. Um, she was from the southern aristocracies. So these were more slower landed gentry kind of people i mean you've seen the different slave movies where these guys sit on the porches being terrible to their to their property who are people oh yeah just rocking back and forth in a rocking chair just twirling a glass of lemonade she came from that kind of a background um but apparently she and a lot of people kind of assumed that she was a bit of a thick um, because (laughs) because before people started researching into the history there wasn't that much known about her and i guess the assumption at the time unfortunately for a woman who was in the background was that it was because she was stupid that was not true at all this lady was a Apparently a very intelligent, very witty and very funny person. And uh, apparently to to try and pick where Teddy got his influences from, his mother, I think, biologically gave him a lot of his of, of his building blocks. But there was a downside to that as well, because she was actually um, quite sick quite often. She suffered from very severe migraines, Ooh. was uh, bed bound quite a lot. And I guess... Some people speculate that if she was around today, she would have been diagnosed with pretty severe depression. Oh. And uh, it's and th- that was that was a trait that then was put into the Roosevelt genes and carried on. And uh, unfortunately, Teddy was um, was pretty definitely struck by it as w- as well. When Teddy, yeah. So if you were to if you were to look at his two parents, he got the biology from his mother. Uh, he was very similar to her, smart, witty, funny. Um, mm-hmm. Also had the tendency towards melancholy. Mm-hmm. But then I think he looked up to his dad so much that he wanted to adopt the great heart side of that as well. Of course and, he would. Yeah. And he like, he actually, he, it looked like most of the acts that he did later on in life were to try and emulate his father that he, he loved uh, undeniably. Oh. When Teddy was a kid, the civil war broke out his dad's was going to do his duty, mm-hmm. join up and go and fight. He probably would have ended up an officer um, and officers were like on the front line fighting with the men at the time. Mm-hmm. His mother convinced him, Teddy's mother convinced him not to fight. So Teddy's dad's wife, she was simultaneously afraid that he would die, an understandable one. Mm -hmm. But she was also upset about the idea of her husband shooting and killing her brothers who had signed up on the Confederate side. Uh, Oh, this is juicy. Yeah. Steve, you didn't tell me this would be juicy. Oh, it's all, there is so much juice in in Teddy's story. That's what I'm saying. Is there sexual intrigue? No. No, not really. He was actually... Ah, you lost me. <laughs> he was, uh, for such a famous and endearing president, he was clean, actually, in that respect. But we'll uh, get on okay. to it. We'll get, we'll get on to Teddy's own foibles. Maybe later. there's like a secondary B character, like a funny best friend who gets into um, some sexual romps. Or a brother who dies. Anyway. Um, Spoilers. <laughs> uh, so Teddy's mother convinced the dad not to fight. And um, at the time, if you had money, 
uh, there was a draft where if you got called up, you had to go. But if you could afford four hundred dollars, you could pay to buy yourself out. Really? Which meant that they had to they had to move on to the next guy who was probably going to be a poor guy who couldn't afford to do that. Ah. So that's what Teddy's dad did, and he carried that shame for the rest of his life. And Teddy took it quite to heart as well. Ah. It sickened him to think that his dad didn't go and do his duty when his country needed it, and basically took what what, what could be seen as the coward's way out. Yeah. So which in- I mean, like that's been a bit harsh. Um, I don't know. Maybe like, I get from an ideological standpoint, fighting for your freedom and all that stuff, but it's still like it, going off with with the likelihood of potentially dying or at least having to murder people. I don't think that was like. I mean, you're that's you're definitely putting the modern slant on today. That's my that's my my snowflake millennial. Yeah, <laughs> to a certain extent. I mean, people didn't really think as much about going off the dying kill as as being such a bad thing because it was so much more uh, um, frequent as it is now. Like yeah. we, we haven't had a great war in 60 years. These guys had great wars a lot more often. Yeah. But anyway, um, that's not to say that I'm sure a lot of people also went, wait, this probably isn't a good idea as a human thing to do. Do you ever think about how like, uh, like I'm 26, but turn 27, how like if I was to be matched up with just a random 27 year old from that era, he could just kick the shit out of me. doesn't matter who he is, just by nature of growing up in that era. No, that's not true. That's not true because you would have been about four foot taller than him from the amount of food that your people have eaten since then. True, but I also have a bad back from like sitting at a desk job and stuff. He's got a bad back from pulling potatoes out of the ground since he was 12. Uh, maybe we could be good friends actually. Come to think of it. Why, are we, why are we even fighting? <laughs> okay, so Teddy's dad um, did do a little bit. He went to the camps, the, the Union Army camps, and uh, tried to set up like an allotment cause to try and convince the soldiers to send money back to their kids, which unfortunately mm. was something that they had to do. Um, the soldiers apparently were just spending it on booze. Uh, so he had to try <laughs> I and I mean, convi- they have it pretty rough. I know they have it pretty rough, but then when their kids are at home with no dad and no mother to support them, they, they uh, need some true. money too. So yeah. that, was, that was his contribution to the war. That's a noble one. There's a really cool photograph of the... The, the when the war ended uh, Lincoln got shot a couple of days later and there's a fant- he, he got a he got a funeral procession up through the country to go back to Illinois where he was buried where he was from he got the honours wherever he went so he went through New York there's a great photograph of the procession moving up one of the big avenues in Manhattan and if you zoom in to one of the windows on one of the corners you can see two little boys heads peeking out over a window yeah that's Teddy and his brother watching the no funeral procession. Way. Yeah, that is so That's cool. amazing. That just goes to show you. I mean, I didn't do any any first, um, what's it called, primary research for this. Yeah. I stole the work already done by other people. But to think that historians have looked so deeply into his life that they found this photograph, looked at the address, matched it to, I think it was Teddy's grandfather's, and said, that must be Teddy and his brother looking out their, looking out their granddad's window at this. That's beautiful. That is cool, isn't it? That's really cool. Unfortunately, though, Teddy did spend a lot of time looking out windows as opposed to being outside joining in because he was a very, very sickly child. Um, Aw, Teddy. It wasn't uncommon for kids to to be sick at the time because obviously they didn't have the same kind of resources that we do today. He probably, if he wasn't from a rich family, he probably would have died. Really? Pretty, like Tiny Tim style. Yeah. He was small. He was weak. He, even when he was young, overheard his parents when they thought he couldn't hear talking about how they didn't think he was going to live that long. Oh, God. Can you imagine? It was, Yeah. So, I mean, even though he came from all this wealth and privilege, the dude did have to struggle. Yeah. And we're going to see quite often in his life, a lot of bad things happen. So, I mean, uh, you could dismiss it and go, we're just telling another story about another rich dude who didn't have to try for anything in his life. Theodore Roosevelt 
did have to work his ass off despite his privileges. Right. I mean, granted, if he didn't have that family background, he probably wouldn't have been able to do it. Mm-hmm. But it, he still can't say that he got anything for free. He still had to mm-hmm. work his ass off. So he couldn't go to school. He had to stay at home and receive pri- private tr- tutoring. His younger brother was bigger than him um, pretty quickly and had to defend him from bullies on the streets oh. who would try and beat him up. Oh, Steve, you didn't tell me this This story would be <laughs> such a tug on the heartstrings. Uh, that's the, those are the best ones, though. Yeah, there you are. So to get around it, uh, he realised that his body was weak, so he would try and make his brain strong. He read a lot. He uh, he he stood. He was he was fascinated by by nature and everything going on around him. He took home and raised families of squirrels and mice. Oh no way, Steve! But wait, before you go to, uh, he was also mad into taxidermy. <laughs> <laughs> So he would also kill squirrels, mice and birds and stuff them in his room himself. Uh, the I just imagine a bunch of really <laughs> shitty stuffed animals. No, quite the opposite. Apparently he was fucking brilliant at it. Oh, really? Uh, oh, the wow. maids actually were afraid to clean his bedroom because it stank so much of the innards of these and, and chemicals, innards of the animals and the chemicals he was using to, to, to give them taxidermy. God, he's a complex child. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's, you're going to see he's a complex man. So anyway, his dad took him aside um, when he was a kid and said, look, son, um, you're you're weak as shit. And, but it, <laughs> but if you want if you want to get through life, you haven't died yet. Um, these aren't these aren't exact words. I'm paraphrasing. I'm you sure. haven't died yet. But so if you're going to keep on living, you, you need to you need to fix your body. It's it's all well and good to have a strong mind. But if you don't have the body to back it up, you're just going to be you're going to be too infirm to do anything good with your life. Mm-hmm. So Teddy goes, OK, what do I have to do? So. He told his son he was going to have to work his ass off physically. So they got him private instructors. They built a small gym in the house. And wow. Theodore went ahead and worked his ass off trying to turn his body into something that he could actually use. Yeah. He he suffered from really severe asthma, actually. That was probably like the root of all these different problems. Ah. And for some reason at the time, the doctors told him it would be a good idea for him to smoke cigars while he was 11 to try and strengthen <laughs> oh. his lungs. Man, the past. So when that didn't work, they moved on to like physical exercise, which turned out did help a lot. He was really good at boxing, apparently. Man, Not- sorry, I'm just imagining a Rocky style training montage. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. You can see that, like, and it, like the old fashioned ones with like the mustaches and the barbells and like the uh, like the unitard suits. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a, he had a boxing teacher who was a former prize fighter, and he was so impressed with his ability to take punches and keep going, even <laughs> even if his technique was terrible. So. This is where you can see uh, like a philosophy that, that Theodore would use in his life. Um, man becomes fearless by sheer dent of practicing fearlessness is what mm. is the approach that he wanted to take. So basically act as if, even if you're shit scared, if you act that you're not shit scared, you're going to achieve the thing that you want to do. Whereas if you were to just go, oh shit, and back away, you wouldn't be able to. So he ended up not being 100% cured. He would still have some asthmatic problems through his life, but... As we'll see later on, it did not hinder him at all. And he achieved way more physical things than I have achieved by the time he was 18, when I'm now hitting 30 pretty soon. So, mm. yeah, he, he definitely over, he, he overcame that that initial thing that could have left him. like. So you do you think 18-year-old Teddy could beat the shit out of 30-year-old Steve? Absolutely. Yeah. Even if I was to get a couple of good punches in, I know for a fact he would just keep on going and like pull oh, like the a, shit out of me. Yeah, he's like a bag of meat. Yeah. I assume. He's got a cigar sticking out of the corner of his mouth when he's just <laughs> yeah. punching living shit out of you. As far as I can tell, actually, I couldn't get a definite answer, but I'm pretty sure he was so traumatised by having to smoke the cigars when he had asthma that he didn't smoke later on. <laughs> Jesus, of course. 
Uh, which was rare at the time. So, okay, he fixed himself physically. He still had his, his super duper brain. Um, so he went off to Harvard. But because he had such a weird childhood and that he had to like spend so much time alone and with dead animals, he ended up a bit of an outcast <laughs> and a nerd when he went in. So all these other lads who had grown up rich and uh, with their lads, like, you know, rugby players drinking pints of Heineken, having a good time. When nice. he turned up there, uh, they thought he was a feckin' nerd and an outcast. Um, but he he didn't actually notice or care. Oh, <laughs> he just went to, he just went about on doing the same things he kind of did back then. Um, but unfortunately, something terrible happened in his sophomore year. Uh, what sophomore is that? Second year. Sophomore is your second year. So his dad, uh, only at the age of thirty six, suddenly fell ill and died, and it turned out oh, it, was no. co- it was because of cancer. So Teddy had to rush back. Um, and around the same time as well, he had been very close to a girl called Edith, um, who was like a family friend. And Sexual intrigue? Probably. Ooh. Uh, nothing was written down or confirmed. Mm. But everyone assumed that these two were going to end up getting married um, because mm. they were so close. But around the time that he was home um, grieving for his dad, he actually had a huge falling out. And between losing his probably best friend and potential wife and losing his dad, he kind of went a bit mad. And uh, when Teddy goes mad, he tends to go crazy by by doing crazy physical activities. So he would like go on huge rowing trips where we would just go out onto the lake near their house. and He's row. like the fucking Hulk. <laughs> Pretty much. He would just row for hours and hours and hours. He would hop onto a horse and ride it until the horse nearly died. He, would, <laughs> he, just, he just went up to Maine into like when it was proper wilderness and just like spent a couple of weeks just like with mountain men climbing mountains and living in huts and doing all these crazy things. What? Yeah. Um, so that's, that's how he tended to deal with his, his problems. I mean, yeah, that's one way. <laughs> there's Pokemon as well like man Jesus. there is Pokemon get Pokemon <laughs> go Teddy God uh, well Roddy Teddy thought no just go <laughs> yeah. so he's like Pokemon go fuck yourself Richie I'm gonna go fight some mountain man <laughs> fight some mountain that's definitely one of his lines <laughs> um, he he he, he did manage to fix himself. He got over this loss uh, of his dad. Obviously, he still remembered his dad and kept him as a hero his entire life. But when he went back to Harvard, his dad actually was pretty puritanical in terms of like doing good things, don't drinking too much, don't go riding around hooers and all that kind of stuff. Um, when he went back to Harvard, I don't know if he did much of the riding around, but he definitely did a lot of the drinking and became one of the lads. Wait. He picked up the pint of Heineken's, had had the good time. And he just actually, comes back from he comes back from the mountain with two like centre bags filled with cans. <laughs> yeah, but I was like, wait, wait, Teddy, Teddy, Teddy. <laughs> so he ended up falling in with them, joined the football team, did all sorts of crazy things, and got pretty popular and did pretty well um, academically as well. The end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he actually maybe. Maybe the end, because when he was there, as he was nearly finishing, he got a medical examination by the school doctor and the doctor was like, you're still pretty weak. If you don't calm it down and and and, and leave a non-strenuous life, you're not going to live very long. Teddy was like, fuck you, mountain time. <laughs> While he was in Harvard at this time, he met a local girl from around the Boston, Cambridge area called Alice Hathaway. Mm. And he was immediately smitten. Aww. He wrote in his diary after meeting her that he knew he would marry her. And uh, he went about to try his best to do it pretty quickly. He spent a lot of time with her family. He would try and talk politics with the older ones, with the younger ones. He would uh, like run around and wrestle with the kids. <laughs> he had no, he had no problem doing that kind of stuff. He really um, is an everyman, isn't he? He, he is. Um, he to say that as well. She had a weird female cousin that apparently no one liked and was kind of like the dork that no one wanted to talk to, but Aww. was good friends with Alice. And he was like, "Yep, yeah, I'll, I'll hang out with her, no problem." She's, you know, I can find something to talk about. He probably Aww. just kept on talking, and she was just happy to have someone talk that he didn't care, and he yeah. didn't like. I think he He's didn't. Like, re- one time, I punched a bear to death in the mountains. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Um, and it worked. So she agreed to marry him. But one caveat, Aww. one caveat is that she she wanted to know that he wouldn't try and keep her as like a, a pet at home. And that's fair. Which, well, that is fair. But unfortunately, at the time, that was quite common for what men expected of their wives. Yeah. He turned around and said, "Fuck it, no. The happier you are, the happier I will be." Um, oh, Teddy. I want you to do what you, what you want. He was. Like, we'll just quickly talk about this. He was pretty progressive in terms of his, his aspects on gender. At the time when he was in Harvard, uh, females were were just starting to get accepted to study medicine. And a mm. lot of his classmates were like, no, no, you can't let women become doctors. I mean, imagine what they're going to do when they're on their period. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus um, Christ. So Teddy was like, that's really stupid. Um, I know a lot of women who are smarter than all of us. So shut the fuck <laughs> up and just let them let them in. Um, he definitely had no 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 um, hindrances in terms of that kind of thing. He didn't think that women were less capable than men. Good on him. He thought that eventually, when if they kept on going with the same social progression that he could see, they would eventually be allowed to join the army. So like he seen decades ahead of his time. Wow. He he was totally in favor of them voting. He didn't have any problem with women keeping their mating names if they wanted to keep their own identity after they got married. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, we've already talked. That's incredibly progressive. Incredibly. I mean, these things, well, hopefully not the voting, but the, the armed forces <laughs> thing and the maiden names thing are probably still issues in some households today. Um, so, I mean, if you put this up against how much of a manly man he thought himself to be, it, it was pretty interesting. He had no problem with having these two kind of dualities in his mind. Yeah. So That's amazing. When he got married to Alice at 22. She was only like a year or two younger than him and she became the centre of his world. He, he wrote things like, her intense happiness is too sacred to be written about in his diary. Oh God, Teddy! Yeah, Teddy. <laughs> while he was while he was um, courting her and getting married, he also finished his first book. He would go on to write thirty books before he uh, fucking before course he, died. he would. Uh, he wrote the book about the War of eighteen twelve, in particular the naval side of it, which apparently was so good, even though he was so young and had no experience, that it, w- <laughs> it would be used in the naval college for like decades afterwards as like something that, that that potential navy men needed to to learn. So he didn't like he was going to go back and maybe work in the uh, family business and whatever it was. I don't know. Owning money apparently was the family (laughs) business. But he was like, nah, that's kind of boring. I want to go into politics. Gentlemen at the time did not go into politics. A lot of his family and his friends were like, that's the common man thing. Because at the time, politics was a common man's thing. It was all about going into bars and getting and getting votes off rowdy, rowdy dudes. But he was like, no, fuck it. He got asked to run for the state assembly as a congressman uh, for New York. And he won. And he was the youngest man ever elected to the state assembly. At, at how old? Uh, 22. What? Yeah, super young. Jesus, what was I doing when I was 22? <laughs> Not Pokemon. that, anyway. <laughs> um, most of his peers didn't like him. Because he was too cool? No. <laughs> it, when he turned up there, he was kind of the opposite. He he dressed really sillily. He, <laughs> he, uh, they insinuated, they kept on comparing him to Oscar Wilde. Uh, and the comparison there being that he was gay. Right. Um, but lo and behold, what happens when you tell Teddy Roosevelt these kind of things? Um, he, he knew that these things were happening behind his back. But when someone made fun of his clothes to his face, like another probably congressman in a bar in Albany at the time, he punched them in the face and floored them. Nice. Um, Teddy, Teddy, Teddy. The, the New York Democrats, um, they, were re- they were basically more like a gang than a political party at the time. So some of the guys <laughs> that they elected up to Albany just to like, grab the state money that was going on these guys were like huge big burly Irish gangsters who mm. who got elected because they threatened people to vote for them and they would punch them if they didn't vote two or three times Jesus so one big huge dude told Teddy that he was like heard making threats against Teddy Teddy walked up to him looked him in the face probably like looked up because Teddy wasn't so tall and mm-hmm. said if you if you want to go I'll go 
I'm going to punch you. I'm going to bite you. I'm going to kick you in the balls. <laughs> he said that? Yeah. He actually oh, said that. And the dude backed off. <laughs> nice. Uh, at the same, he did, he did all sorts of crazy things when he's up there. He became friends with some kind of rowdy guys that he must have met in the pubs. Um, he went to illegal cockfights and had to run away when the police stormed the places. <laughs> um, he became friends with loads of like ethnic kind of people. Like um, when I say ethnic, I mean like Irish and Italians and Jews and Germans and those kind of people that were like the, the common people in New York City at the time. Mm. Um, and they normally had nothing to do with the Republican Party. They were normally Democrats. And that gave him a lot of political power. And yeah. between that and like getting involved in the general politics, he actually ended up becoming the minority leader, which is a pretty good achievement. Still very young. How old? Uh, I guess. So that would be two terms after four terms. Uh, he would have been 28. Christ. Okay, I've got a year. <laughs> um, but, oh, bad stuff coming. Uh, uh, no, preg- not my teddy, not my teddy. Alice was pregnant after about six years of being married, and uh, he was he was super super psyched, super happy. But so he had to work in Albany, which is about uh, six or seven train hours away from New York City, where he, where his family still lived. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was just waiting to hear about when she was going to um, be due, so he would rush home. Uh, he got a note to say that she was due. He rushed home as quick as he could, but there were uh, there was bad fog that night, and the train was actually pretty slow. And yeah. by the time he got back, he, his brother opened the door of the house and said, he just looked crestfallen. He looked, he looked devastated. No. And that scared the shit out of Teddy. And his brother was like, there's a curse on this house. Oh, um, no. Their mother was dying. Um, she was severely ill and she was bedbound in a house, down, in a bedroom downstairs. Um, Teddy's wife had given birth to a little girl, but Teddy's wife was also dying. And she had some sort of a kidney infection as a result no. of the pregnancy. Both his mother and his, his mother died in the morning on Valentine's Day in 1884. And Alice died later that day. Steve, um, no. He, he just wrote, he just, in his diary that day, there's a, I seen a photograph of it. It's just an X with the light has gone out of my life. No. Um, needless to say, he did not get over this. Of course. Oh my God, that's horrendous. Isn't it? Yeah, no, it's just, it's it's impossible to try and think about what kind of no. a tragedy that can do to a dude. I mean, this girl, Alice, really had been 50% of his life. And, oh, I mean, God. probably more. Obviously, he was probably thinking about her all the time when he was doing this political shit. But of he was he was so happy with how his life was going and then for this to happen. The unfortunate thing is that he didn't deal with it so well in terms of helping out his daughter, who was still alive and well. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was named Alice by by the mother before she passed away. Mm-hmm. So she took her mom's name. But Teddy couldn't bring himself to to call her that. I think he called her ba- Baby D or something like that for a while. Um, it took a couple of years for him to be able to actually call her Alice. And people don't have any record of Teddy ever talking about his dead wife ever again. Really? Yeah. So people are pretty sure that he basically oh. just car- car- um, compartmentalized this and just put it into the back of his head. Oh, that's heartbreaking. So, oh, that's so heartbreaking. If you remember what happened when his dad died, he just went out and started roaming the shit and just like fucking climbing mountains and doing mad shit. Um, mm-hmm. He pretty much did the same, except uh, up quite a few levels. He finished out his term in Albany, didn't seek re-election. He went out to the Badlands in Dakota, which was like one of the last proper rugged frontiers in the United States at the time, Mm -hmm. um, to try and hunt a buffalo because they were nearly gone and he was mad into hunting and he wanted an opportunity to do it. Um, But while he was there, he learned there was like a huge cattle ranching boom going on. So he went back to New York. He closed up his business holdings that he had. He gave his daughter to his sister to raise for a while and said, I am off to the Badlands of Dakota to become a cattle rancher cowboy. Of course. Um, I mean, we all deal with grief and we all deal with grief in different ways. 
<laughs> who uh, hasn't been tempted to leave everything behind and go yeah. become a cattle rancher. His his line that associated with this is that um, black care rarely sits behind a rider whose pace is fast enough. Basically, the, the the idea would be like nobody is depressed during a marathon. Right. So he's basically trying to run away from his problems. Yeah. So Teddy was in Dakota. Um, he bought a whole load of cows. He set up a ranch. He built a house by his hands himself. Of course he did. He, but he did. turned up looking like an idiot. He turned up looking like <laughs> what he thought a cowboy should look like. Um, <laughs> with glasses as well. We need to mention, um, Teddy was a very particular looking dude. He had like a really squat bulldog face, not much of a neck because his shoulders were so big from all the exercise he did. He had tiny little circly spectacles, a uh, oh. big mustache, hair that parted uh, kind of in the middle and a grin that looked like the Cheshire Cat out of Alice in Wonderland. (laughs) And he used to run around all the time saying, delighted. Oh, (laughs) That was his catchphrase. Um, So he turned up looking like this with a silly costume, a silver Tiffany bladed knife thing. And they just laughed at him. They thought he, did you know the term dude comes from a guy that looked like Teddy Roosevelt and was called by cowboys. A dude was like a dandy. No. That's where it comes from. So they was like, really? he's a dude. Yeah. <laughs> Which basically wow. meant like a fucking tit. <laughs> they made fun of his glasses because people with four eyes were clearly idiots at the time. Clearly. And he, he would like shout at, at, his, at, his, at his hands when he was trying to get them. He was like, hasten forward quickly there to try and get them to get the cows. And these were like proper grizzled cowboys were like, what the fuck is he talking about? Wow. But he started out that way and quickly the Cowboys realised that this dude was not to be trifled with. He would have no problem riding 13 hours in the, in the saddle at 50 um, degree Fahrenheit below. Oh. Uh, he, there was loads of other Easterners that came over at the time that just, like me and you, there for two days, start crying, go home. <laughs> <laughs> two days? Wow. That's, that's... <laughs> he was not like that. Um, he was really bad at shooting but was persistent so he would just keep on shooting until he got something. <laughs> Uh, he worked like a dog and was accepted by the Cowboys. One guy, one time, a, a guy pulled a gun on him in a bar. He just Teddy punched him <laughs> and knocked nice. him out. He killed That's a bear. A Teddy special right there. He killed a bear. He uh, someone stole his boat one time. He chased them on horseback down the river. Eventually caught them, marched them back forty four miles, which probably took a day or two. Only stopping to read Tolstoy and and watch them while they got rest, and he had to watch them. What? Um, yeah, he's, he was a tough motherfucker. He got into a feud with this French baron, like aristocrat, who was over there doing the same thing as Teddy, a random rich guy who wanted to be a cowboy, except both of them, it turns out, the French, the French guy was kind of just as tough as Teddy. And they got into such arguments that and like disputes over different things that at one stage people thought there was going to be a shootout between these two aristocrats in the middle of the street. Jesus. There ended up not being one. Um, but I'm pretty sure... All these things he did, he did so he would be tired enough to sleep because of the depression that was going on after these cataclysmic things in his life. He used to mention that all the time about how like, I'm finally so tired I can sleep. And he basically just like kept on doing all this crazy work so he didn't have to think about what was, what was going to make him sad. Man, it's like when someone kind of self-treats themselves with alcohol or drugs or whatever, just to numb the pain. Mm -hmm. It's like that, but with sheer exertion of effort. Well, another catchphrase of his is get action. So that's what it is. Get action. That's brilliant. Get action. I Get have, action. Actually, I have this of a photograph of him over my, my working desk. Uh, he's smiling his big smile and the quote is, Get action. Seize the moment. Man never intended to become an oyster. That's brilliant. So that is definitely what he's applying to his own life. Um, 
there was a brutal winter in Dakota though that killed all his cows and everyone else's. Aww. It kind of it 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 squashed the cattle uh, boom that was going on there at the time. This so this is like about maybe four or five years between after his wife died and he just fucked up and fucked off and went to uh, become a cowboy. Uh, at the time he was kind of at the end he was like going back and forward more to London. Uh, he was seeing his daughter a bit more. He also started seeing Edith the uh, the girl from his uh, his his like teenage years yeah yeah and they ended up eloping to London and getting married um, because no they, way. they rekindled the relationship pretty quickly Aww. I think he was kind of ashamed about how quickly he got back in with Edith considering that it wasn't that long after Alice passed away right but I mean he was a young man and not only that he needed something to get his life his get his mind off and for sure he, he would live a very very happy life with Edith um Good. they they would go on to have loads of kids. She would stick with them his entire time. And even when he was like uh, old and nearly dead, he was talking about how much he still loved her. Oh, so that's adorable. He, def- he definitely found- he had a happy romantic ending. Uh, but his- no one knew about it so much that his sister was so shocked when she read in the New York Times that they had got married that she sent them a letter saying, you idiots, my brother didn't get married. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so... They came back from London um, They took back Alice uh, Adopted her Kind of as one of their own Not so much We're going to talk about Alice Later on Because she's fascinating In her own right But mm-hmm. um, they also had uh, Four kids And another girl as well So Theodore had six kids altogether. He started taking up A lot more riding To try and make some money Because he had lost A lot of it When he was uh, a cowboy When all the cows <laughs> Died of being cold um, So the book That he wrote this time That was a huge uh, Commercial success But was actually Kind of shit In terms of its quality uh, was uh, the winning of the West. And unfortunately, his thesis there is that it's a good thing that the Americans killed all the Indians because they didn't have much civilization and he did. Teddy. So he's not oh, a perfect Teddy. man. He's not a perfect man by any means. No. We are going to see that he he likes talking about conquering weaker people and he's mad into imperialism and that kind of stuff. Um, but I mean, oh, Teddy. it was around at the time. Uh, he wasn't alone in these things, but he definitely shouldn't be excused for these thoughts. Right. Uh, okay, so he jumped back into politics as well at the time. He took up a lot of stances against corruption. Mm-hmm. Um, he campaigned for voting rights for uh, African-Americans. He was against anti-immigration groups, which unfortunately were getting very popular at the time. Mm-hmm. He ended up getting a job in Washington, D.C. as the federal civil service commissioner um, to try and fight against corruption. Corruption was bad. Like, basically, people would give a politician money in exchange for a job. That's that's how that's how rife Ugh. it was. And a- most of the time, it wasn't even, like... Under, under under key it was just open it was just what the thing that happened yeah but he was so good at it that he actually um, got to keep his job um, when the Republican president retired and the Democratic guy came in in the next term so mm-hmm. even the, and Teddy was a Republican actually I need to say that I don't know if I oh really it. yeah he was a Republican um, oh. the Republicans at the time were pretty progressive um, in terms of what they are now we'll talk about yeah. how actually the change did happen in his time really so, uh, at the time, he also had a very happy home life. Um, he annoyed his wife by getting the kids riled up by playing with them before bedtime, letting nice. them run around and climb anything and him climbing with them. He had terrible <laughs> dinner managers just shoveling food into his mouth as he talked at people. Uh, as he was running around and playing, he kept on getting injured. And his wife eventually got so used to it that whenever he came in with blood coming off his face, she just handed him a towel and told him not to bleed on the carpet. <laughs> Teddy. But unfortunately, there's another bad thing going on at the same time. Uh, his <sighs> brother that we mentioned before, Elliot, he definitely inherited his mother melancholy. And unfortunately, rather than going off and getting action to deal with his depression, he just turned to drink and had a breakdown. Ah. I had a breakdown, a drink down. And, a drink uh, down. 
Uh, he was sleeping around. He had illegitimate kids that Teddy had to pay off the mothers for to try and stop the family from getting shame. Really? Um, he, he had a couple of kids of his own. One of them was Eleanor Roosevelt, who would end up marrying uh, Franklin Delanor and becoming famous in her own right. Oh. Um, she was a huge campaigner for human rights in in, uh-huh. this, in the UN after uh, World War II, actually. So she was Teddy's niece and Teddy was her godfather. Oh. oh, Unfortunately, though, her dad kept on getting sicker and sicker and just died. I think when it happened, uh, he was in a he was in a Paris mental institution for a couple of years and came back to New York, but he didn't get any better. And he had like a mental breakdown one night where he was going to throw himself out of a window and they managed Ooh. to stop him. But then he just died. Um, that was pretty tough on T, but he tried his best to do well. You just call for, him T. Yeah, for T. <laughs> That's what he is in my notes because I, I got so tired of writing Theodore. Got, um, uh, he's down as T Dog, T Money, T Bone. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Theodore tried his best to help out the family, but obviously that was another another tragedy within the Roosevelt family. I mean, these guys did not have it so easy, despite no. all the all the all the benefits they had. Um, around this time, he did such a good job at fixing up the Washington that someone thought it would be a good idea to put him in charge of. So the New York Police Force had like a civilian oversight called police commissioners, mm-hmm. and they weren't actually cops, but they were like in charge of running the cops. Mm-hmm. And someone put him in there to try and clean up what was a very corrupt police force. <laughs> Ridiculously. <laughs> corrupt um, the, the police chief was so confident in his ability to stay corrupt that when he came in he told Teddy we're going to break you Ooh. We, he did not know who he was dealing with yeah um, this guy was called Burns later uh, resigned pretty quickly when he realised what he was up against yeah um, Teddy, Teddy changed a lot of things he uh, hired uh, Jewish people which, who were kind of ostracised before that mm-hmm. because there were there were hundreds of thousands of Yiddish speaking immigrants and the cops had no way to communicate with them ah. so Teddy was like that's fucking ridiculous yeah. hire some Yiddish cops so they did that um, but he used to go around at nighttime in disguise with reporters, sneaking up on cops that he seen were doing bad things, and like they 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 became so afraid about seeing the teeth coming out of the shadows as <laughs> as he would come up that like they started acting well just on the it was kind of like Batman. I was going to say this is Batman basically. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So. As I said, he was doing this with journalists because Teddy seen pretty quickly the power that the media had at the time. Newspapers was the big thing mm-hmm. to uh, get p- public opinion on your side and get things done in politics. So he used to make himself look a bit more ridiculous than he probably normally would have. Or maybe not because he was ridiculous anyway. He used to wear a cape. He used to wear straw hats. He used to walk around all the time with his moustache, his famous face, his, his smile and constantly saying, Bully, bully, delighted. <laughs> So yeah, at the same time, while he was going around New York, he seen a lot of unhappiness and and and, and poverty, and that did that made a that made a, a an impression on him. And he would he would go on to try and do things later on when he had more power. So not everyone in politics was happy about what Teddy was doing. One guy who was Senator Platt, he was like the boss. He was called the quiet boss in New York at the time, the Republican boss, the easy quiet boss, because everyone had like he had such a soft manner that everyone was like, oh, he's cool. He's relaxed. He actually wasn't. He was strict. And he hated Roosevelt because he was actually stopping a lot of the ways that he was pocketing a fuck ton of money. So uh, he forced him out of New York and... um, afterwards ended up getting him a job in Washington as the assistant secretary of the Navy when the new Republican administration was coming in. Mm -hmm. So I think we should kind of leave it at that because there's going to be a pretty interesting bit coming up next that needs a good bit of time to do it. And I don't know if we have time within this episode. Sure. Do you want to give me a bit of of what we call forward sizzle, like a teaser? Yeah. So, I mean, if you think about it, I'm talking about my favorite president and I've just spent 40 minutes not talking about him being president. <laughs> so does he, is the twist that he didn't actually become president and this is like an alternative reality uh, no, type thing? No, he became president. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Yeah. 
So yeah, we'll leave it at that. Um, do you want to do the episode wrap up? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Um, let's see. So, oh yeah, while I'm keeping a saint. Sorry, I forgot how we <laughs> how, how we, we do this. <laughs> <laughs> so, Steve, what's keeping you sane this week? Um, as I said, I was going off on vacation for a week, so I'm going to be away from the cinema and a new movie that was released that I'm a big fan of the franchise, Blade Runner 2049. And I wanted to make. <laughs> it's funny to think of that as a franchise. Now, I know. I was when I heard they were making a sequel, I was like, that is not necessary. I am not happy about this. But then I heard that they got, um, what's his name, Villeneuve as the director. Uh, who hasn't, The guy did Arrival. Yeah, he hasn't made a bad movie. Uh, Sicario, Prisoners, fucking brilliant movies time after time. So yeah. I was quite happy when I heard it was him. And Ryan Gosling, great actor. Um, mm-hmm. What's your name? Harrison Ford. Robin Wright, Robin Wright isn't it? Is that her name? Robin Wright, yeah. yeah um, loads of great actors. Um, yep. Harrison Ford obviously was going to be in it, but... Uh, even Jared Leto who I normally don't like he was fucking fantastic so I, I oh really yeah yeah and it is a really really good movie it is a fantastic sequel um, and I actually hope now that they're going to go on and make a few more oh fantastic do you think they will uh, probably if it makes enough money yeah I'm sure I'm sure everything's a fucking franchise now yeah <laughs> everything everything has to have a cinematic universe I just started a book called A Long Journey to a Small Angry Planet I don't know if you heard of it I've read it You've read it? Yeah. Oh, amazing. Of course you have. You've read everything. Um, it's by Becky Chambers. Um, I only just started it. I'm about a quarter of the way through it. But it's filling that spot in my life that Firefly left yeah. when it got cancelled. Yeah. That's that's definitely what everyone um, jumped on when it came out. Yeah, it's uh, it's lovely. Like, it's just like, if, you, if you're a fan of Firefly, you'll probably like this book. It's just like a ragtag group of misfits aboard a ship that's all like just as ragtag as the people on it. Um, just flying throughout, you know, space. They're, they're, the job of this particular crew is that they're the ones who make the wormholes that they use to travel between the, the solar system. So they punch through the fabric of space-time to create these wormholes so you can travel through space faster. And I'm at the point in the book, um, which again, this isn't a spoiler, it's just like the whole premise of it, where they've gotten a new job, but it's at the fringes of like a war zone. So it seems like it's going to be interesting. Um, but I love it. I love it so far. Yeah, like I said, big Firefly fan. So this just naturally made sense. Did you enjoy the book? Um, yeah, I did quite a lot. Um, I didn't think it was as stellar as a lot of people's reactions, but I definitely enjoyed reading it. And mm-hmm. as you say, it definitely has that Firefly vibes, which is always appreciated. And um, the difference being that they got shit ton of aliens, which Firefly didn't. And the aliens are the aliens are really cool and interesting too, which was a nice, yeah. little, a nice little twist. Yeah, they're very original. It's not just like, oh, this is bleep lorp. Yeah, it's you not know, just the, the Star, it's not alien, the Star like... Trek thing where you just stick some some shit on someone's head and say they're an alien. <laughs> yeah. They actually like no. try and give them like different abilities and cultures, which is really cool. Yeah, um, apparently yeah, yeah. I, the sequel is even better. Yeah, the sequel supposed to, uh, Kate, my girlfriend, recommended I read them. Um, so the second one's supposed to be fantastic. And I think the third one's coming out next year. Uh, sooner, actually. I think it's coming out really soon, before Christmas. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, oh, amazing. I, I could be easily corrected by someone Googling it, but that's what I remember. Yeah. Well, people know how to correct us now. <laughs> yeah. So who, ha- who are we going to give a listener shout out to? Oh, yeah. Listener shout out. Um, I thought we would shout out Anne Oliver. Uh, she's from Ormond Beach, Florida, um, who's a big fan of the show, got into it recently and basically has listened to every single episode. Sweet. So, yeah, so I'll give her a shout out. Steve, what's your favourite thing about Anne? Uh, I love that time when a great white shark came to the beach in Florida she was at and everyone mm-hmm. ran away, but she said, fuck it, no, got onto a surfboard and punched it in the nose and it left. Oh yeah, that, that was that was great. They're still talking about that to this day. Yeah. 
I my favorite thing about her is that she's really into art and makes figures that she calls oddities and she collects old circus and carnival posters and memorabilia. Steve, that's not just some shit that I made up like we usually do. That's actually honestly God true. And I think it's the fucking best. Is there like a Twitter handle or like a, a Pinterest or something you can see photographs of them? Um, I don't know, actually. I must look into that and I'll, I'll put in the show notes if I can find it. Cool. Um, but I just heard this anecdotally and I think it's fucking fantastic. I think she's potentially the most interesting person I've ever heard of. <laughs> and um, like, we've only heard half of Teddy's life and she's already better. <laughs> exactly. She's right up there with Teddy. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that's Anne. So Anne, thank you so much for listening. If you also want to get a shout out on the show, just tweet at us or write an email, do a voice recording, um, anything at all. Write a review on iTunes actually would be a great way of getting a shout out on the show. We'd really appreciate that. Um, anything else Steve? Um, no that's pretty much it um, just to let people know that there will be an episode within a week um, we mm-hmm. are going to record it immediately now so <laughs> yeah it's um, going to be interesting uh, we're not going to put any news on, on the start of it unless something crazy happens and probably not even <laughs> because yeah, if you not, yeah, yeah this isn't a news show this is an analysis show so it's yeah. going to be the second half of Teddy's life um, things to look forward to he starts a war <laughs> <laughs> um, before he's president he becomes president and he does a lot of cool stuff as president including um, wrestling a 300 pound Japanese men wow yeah okay see I feel I don't I, got, I feel like I gotta to google all this stuff because you it sounds like you could be making this up it sounds like this sounds like a comic book you wrote when you were six years old <laughs> the adventures of Teddy yeah <laughs> the adventures of the road about your teddy bear well and you just applied it to yeah I, I, won't, I won't spoil it but um, the teddy's teddy bears are named after Teddy <laughs> Oh, and, and, I'll t- and I'll tell people why. Okay, great. Come back next Perfect. weekend here. Same bad time, same bad place. <laughs> same Teddy time, same Teddy channel. Okay, see you, Richie. See ya.